Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash malicious compliance. Where in today's lineup, you'll hear how a smug lawyer thinks he's so smart and tries to take advantage of small town farmers, and he pays the ultimate price in the end. Guys, I hope you enjoy today's lineup of super satisfying stories. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. And with that said, we're diving in. So I work at a small garden center, and we have a system where if the queue is getting too long, the person on the till calls on the radio to open another till. It basically means that the staff can be doing other things when there is not enough customers to justify having two, three, or four tills open. I'm sure you can guess where this is going already. Over the last week or so, it's been absolutely baking by UK standards. And to top it off, our till area is what used to be the main greenhouse before the site got expanded. It's an old greenhouse, little airflow, scorching weather, it was hot as balls in there. This was causing a combination of angry customers and exhausted staff. And to top it off, our uniform is more what you'd call guidelines than an actual uniform. A lot of employees just wear a navy polo, toe-capped boots, and we're good to go. So when I get the call for a second till, there's there's about three or four groups in the queue. And I go walk past the queue with some sweets, to keep me sweet, and my water bottle to go to the tills. Until a six foot tall rugby player looking type dude at the back of the queue puts his arm out to stop me. What follows went something like this. He says, Oi, don't you know what a queue is? I say to him, but, but I'm going, no, 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 there's no buts, you don't get to skip. Now I try again to tell him that I'm going to the tills, and he says, I don't care, you wait like the rest of us. Now at this point, with this guy getting pretty angry and turning a very deep shade of crimson, I look at the till with an exasperated look, catch my colleague's eye and just go, fine then, I'll wait. It was way too hot to argue over this, and I wasn't going to risk this getting physical. My colleague with a knowing smile picks up her radio and says, Can I have another till please? I don't think OP can make it. Now no one arrives, probably due to a combination of radio issues, brakes colliding, and not my problem. So we wait. It only takes 5 minutes to get to the front, but the impatient angry dude is getting redder by the second. So he goes up to be served, and he yells, FINALLY! And that now leaves me in the front of the queue. I then go up to my till, log in, and call out, Can I, uh, can I help anybody on this side? And all I can hear is a loud, Are you effing kidding me? The angry dude looks like he's gonna explode, but my colleague was quick to loudly point out that I did try to explain several times, and that he got very aggressive with me for doing so, and was honestly lucky that we were serving him at all. The guy decided to leave rather than embarrass himself any further. He left his purchase on the desk, and he just left. I'm glad I didn't get in trouble for that one, but it was a fun bit of malicious compliance. Guys, all I can say is that was brilliantly played. I only wish I could have seen the look on that man's face when Opie shouted that they're now available to help the next person in line. Guys, I read a lot of these stories, and the more I read, the more I realize that if people would just shut up and listen for a second and not interrupt others when they're trying to talk, a lot of these stories wouldn't exist. It would have been, Oi, don't cut in line, go to the back. 
Oh, you're a cashier? Carry on then. Scan these items for me. So I'm a secretary for a medical facility that funds other medical institutions. I'm also responsible for their travel to conventions and conferences. This is a very large, very highly attended conference held each year, in which our medical professional staff are invited as presenters. Now, one such Karen-esque presenter just has to be incredibly difficult, as she feels she's above us and she never lets us forget it. As a presenter, they're given certain hotels that are reserved for them at a reduced rate. However, most are nowhere near the convention site and they end up paying a crap load of money to cab, as there was no Uber at the time. So I set up the travel for at least 10 folk, when I realized that by a loophole, I can book them into the hotel where the conference is held. So I do that, instead of allowing the conference coordinators to book them in heaven knows where at the last minute, which they're prone to do. Now, when Karen finds out that I'm booking, she comes up to me and demands that I book her into the hotels listed by the conference coordinators, and if I don't, she will have me written up. So that's what I did. So the day before they all leave for the conference, which was clean across the country on the west coast, Karen found out that she was the only one booked in the conference hotel. And not only that, she was 9 miles away near the airport. And no, there were no more rooms available at the conference hotel. Karen was hopping mad, and she storms to my desk, screaming about me putting her in a faraway, two-star hotel. I then looked at her and calmly stated that she was in one of the three hotels the conference coordinators reserved, and she distinctly instructed me to only select those hotels and nothing else, reminding her that she'd have me written up if I booked her anywhere else. So Karen ended up spending more than $70 in cab fare to and from the hotel to the venue, while everybody else only had to go downstairs from their hotel rooms. She almost missed giving her presentation because she was late. After that, when I booked everybody for a trip, Karen no longer demanded that I give her special treatment, and she lets me use my judgment when booking hotels. Wow guys, I did not expect that moment of personal growth. She no longer demanded I give her special treatment. I guess it turns out that some entitled Karens do learn from their mistakes, guys. They just have to learn the lesson by spending a few nights in a two-star hotel and paying a lot of money in cab fare. Okay, so I used to work as the dedicated inventory guy for a tire and wheel store that only dealt with that. It was a big chain. All their guys wear black, even on the most blistering of days. Nearly 10 years of working there, and I was the only one handling their 5,000 to 7,500 tires, along with several hundred wheels, nuts, bolts, tire lube, and replacement parts. Basically, I organized the entire store in terms of what was bought, sold, and used. I received most shipments, whether a single tire by FedEx, or our two to three times a week shipment of 400 to 800 units. Now, not something I knew for a long time, but my technical job was listed as a three-person rotating task, and I did that all by myself. The manager I worked for for most of those 10 years was very happy and supportive of me, trying to make sure I was taken care of if I needed help. Unfortunately, the company underwent plenty of black changes after the owner died. It shifted from a family thing to a profit and micromanagement thing. My great manager was stressed, and he went from great to not so great. Ultimately, he was transferred to an administrative position to finish out till retirement, and we got a new manager and lots of extra salary salesmen. I was left on inventory, as everyone confirmed I was the only guy for the job that knew anything. They tried giving me newbies to learn the ropes, but I only got a couple of days with them before they were pulled for more important things. Eventually, they gave up caring and figured that I would do inventory for the foreseeable future. 
Well, the end of 2018 came with me looking for other opportunities. It wasn't entirely because of the shift work, but doing a three-person job after 10 years was starting to take a toll on my back. I started at about 20 years old, and I was getting close to 30. I can't deny, I was getting kind of scared that I would do something irreparable to my back that would stick with me forever. The company slowly went downhill. They pulled equipment I needed to do better without straining myself more, made the process of pulling inventory more bureaucratic and lengthy with, without the need for it, and would keep trying to limit my time doing things, but expecting the same results. They also kept resisting my plans to reorganize stock because brands don't always need the same amount of space. The major brand that did really well three years ago, and taking up a thousand tires worth of space, only takes up 400 now. But hey, I have this brand that did an overhaul and we used to carry barely 250 of them. Now we're ordering hundreds of them weekly, with a need for 750 units of space. So there's stock unable to fit in one place, but a huge gap in another I can fill. I'm sure some of you can understand that you don't just start shoving items from the wrong brand into a gap, because there's space there. So fast forward, I'm in the final weeks of my lovely tenure there, and I've been training for a new job for just about 6 weeks. They've had plenty of warning to replace my position. I reminded them that they should find someone that I can give the rundown to before it's too late. My new management, as well as two salesmen I never liked, tell me in a very businessy and polite terms, just do your job and let us worry about it. I then realized that it really is their problem, not mine. So cue the malicious compliance. I found a lovely time when all three of my most concerning resistors were away. Two were on meetings with corporate for two to three days, and one was on vacation for the rest of the week. This was great, as it was my last week as well. I hauled all kinds of ass that week. I reorganized the whole place to my OCD specs. I wanted everything to fit. I wanted everything perfectly presentable. I did it my way and got everything in. I want to note that some years, especially in peak winter with lots coming in, we got so overstocked that we couldn't fit everything all at once. So I took care of all that overstock and fit it all in. Brands were moved and notes were left. I let all my favorite coworkers who pulled my inventory the most know what's up. They adapted instantly because it's really not that hard. Just remember the salt is in the pantry now, not next to the stove. I was commended on my efforts and thanked for doing that before leaving. However, I knew what was coming, and no, not from the guys who didn't want my organization methods. By not replacing me, or at least covering what I've been doing for 10 years, well, imagine it like giving someone a nice, clean, and well-working car that they've never maintained because it was always taken care of. So yeah, I start my new job and got paid almost double. A couple of months in, I start getting calls from former co-workers. Apparently, they never really tried to replace me at all, and things fell apart. Tires were shoved into racks with no regard for where they belonged. If there was a space, fill it. After three months, I heard three long-time employees walked out because the lack of organization was killing their bay times for dealing with cars, leading to a domino fall of stressful work environment stuff. It took an average of 15 minutes at our store to deal with most things on one car. However, I was told it was taking just that long to find the units needed after pulling the car in. Heck, sometimes they even gave up and tried to huff it to another nearby store to find their tires, thinking they had an inventory error. Now obviously, that level of delay and inefficiency made the managers angry at those they blamed. Service techs usually got the heat. Now I wish I could say there was more juicy details about the aftermath, but at a certain point, all my ears in that store left. So one bit that came around the 4 or 5 mark after I left was one of the managers called me on my personal phone. They asked me how I was doing, and wondered if my new job was working out. 
I was very happy and told him how great I felt in my new job. He inquired whether I might be interested in helping out at the store again, and I declined. Now, I'm not the best at reading people, but this person seems so lost in their tone that I can only guess they had so little luck in finding a replacement for what I did. I'm far more appreciated now in my new job. The thing that made me feel bad though, but also goodish, is that my former co-workers agreed that when I left, things started to get terrible. It probably didn't hurt that I was the insatiable goof of the store who told so many bad puns. So it definitely sounds like the current managers didn't realize what a valuable asset they had until OP left. That's the one unfortunate thing though. A lot of people don't take the plunge and never realize that there's better out there. And it always makes me so happy to read that the poster leaves the crap job, gets double the pay, and is much happier. Oh, and that the horrible company they left is in the crapper. That makes me smile too, guys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So this story didn't happen to me, but it happened to an attorney that I work with regularly as a part of my job. He moved from a very high cost of living area to our rural community. He sold his $2 million house, bought 50 acres with a huge house in a community that has a lot of dairy farms. He always used to say how much better it was living up here, both in terms of lifestyle and monetarily, as his urban $2 million house had property taxes in excess of $40,000 a year. Now, in addition to the huge house, the property was mostly fields, 40-ish acres, and it also had a 10-acre or so large woodlot. After he moved into his new house, the attorney was approached by his neighbor, one of the dairy farmers. The farmer told the attorney how he had a handshake agreement with the former owner of the attorney's property. The farmer would mow the fields for hay two to three times per year, and would harvest a sustainable amount of trees out of the woodlot. In exchange, the former property owner got 10% of the chopped wood, which was more than enough to heat the house all year long, without having to run the boiler for anything more than hot water. Now the farmer wanted to keep this arrangement going, as it had worked out well for both parties for over a decade. The attorney thought the former owner was being taken advantage of, and being an attorney refused to do a handshake agreement, but told the farmer to give him a week to draw up a proper contract. Now of course the farmer wasn't overjoyed with making this out to be more than a gentleman's agreement, but he did agree to come back the following week. So the attorney decided that what would be fair was that the farmer should pay him $1,000 each time he mowed the fields for hay since the farmer would feed the hay to his cows for free otherwise, and that the lawyer deserved 50% of the chopped woods, or at least 50% of the revenue the farmer got for selling the excess chopped wood, not 10%. So as you can guess, the farmer refused to sign the attorney's contract. 
This all happened in late 2019, when the fields were rather bare and the supply of chopped wood for the house was full. Well, here comes 2020, and now the fields start to look like garbage because none of the farmers will pay to hay the fields. In fact, after speaking with the first farmer, all the other area farmers are unwilling to mow the fields unless the attorney pays them $1,000 per mowing. And of course, come wintertime, the attorney's woodpile is depleted, and he has to use the oil boiler to heat the entire home, costing well over $300 a month in winter heating costs. So now we come to early 2021 tax prep season. The farmer, being a good, dutiful, community-minded citizen, informs the town that he did not cultivate any of the attorney's land for the entirety of 2020, nor did he know any other farmers who did. Well, as it turns out, this is a big deal, because in our state, farmland is assessed at a much lower value than residential property, and additionally has a separate and lower tax rate. The attorney's land had previously been entirely zoned as farmland, except for the house and a few acres of lawn around it. Now, the town sends out an assessor and rezoned the entire 50 acres as residential, which more than tripled the taxable property value and imposed the residential tax rate rather than the much lower farm tax rate. The attorney was quite surprised, and he furiously told me and everybody else we work with all this past week how he's going to sue the town, because they now expect him to pay $50,000 a year in property taxes. Guys, I just gotta say, he, <laughs> he deserves this so much. Like, what kind of idiot turns down free maintenance of his property and no labor restocking of his woodpile? The man clearly saw dollar signs, got greedy, failed to do his homework, and now is paying the price. Literally. I'm a 24-year-old male, and I hosted a friend from college, who's also a 24-year-old male, that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. Shortly after he arrives, we head to the local bar in our neighborhood. We decided to do the 15-20 to 20 minute walk instead of drive, so we didn't have to worry about leaving the car. I was joined by my roommate, who's also a 25-year-old male and a good friend, and his newish girlfriend, who's 22. At the bar, drinks flowed freely, and my friend seemed to really hit it off with our crew. We stayed longer than expected, and it was fully dark, and we were well buzzed by the time we decided to walk home. It was still hot outside when we got to the apartment complex, so my roommate suggested that we hit the community pool. The pool and hot tub were technically closed for the night, but it isn't too close to any of the units, and generally no one cares if you're responsible and don't break glass bottles or anything like that. After debating whether or not to head back to our place to change first, my roommate insisted that we're all friends here, and that we could just go in the pool in our underwear. Everybody agreed on this, although my roommate's girlfriend announced, you guys have fun with that, and proceeded to lounge next to the pool on one of the deck chairs and scroll Instagram. So we strip down and hop into the pool, and we're having a pretty good time just messing around. After some time had passed, my roommate was chatting with his girlfriend, and then quietly approached me afterwards. Apparently his girlfriend was very uncomfortable with me wearing just briefs in the pool. Now both my roommate and my friend were wearing boxer briefs. She wanted me to go all the way back to the apartment and change into a swimsuit. Now I initially protested and said it was his idea in the first place and how everybody was in their underwear and none of us cared. And what's the difference? I tell her it's not like my underwear was white or see-through or anything like that. My roommate then asked me to go change for him as a favor, so I didn't turn it into an issue between him and her. I was pissed, but I decided to let it go for the time being. So when I got back to the apartment, an idea popped into my head. It occurred to me that I still had a swimsuit from when I used to swim in the club team in college. So I put on my Speedo, head back out, armed with another six-pack for the boys, in only a t-shirt, towel wrapped around my waist, and flip-flops. 
I get back to the pool, announce that I had changed into my swimsuit as requested, drop the towel and ditch the tea, and then launch into a wicked cannonball into the pool. I can see a wry smile on my roommate's face, but nothing else was said about my choice of attire. We go on in the pool, and a few minutes later, she announces that she's tired and she's going to bed. We stay out late, including more beers and laughs in the hot tub, while his girlfriend was asleep at our place. It was a good time. Guys, my favorite part of all this is that OP's roommate appreciated his compliance. And hey, he might have gotten an earful later, but the malicious compliance was definitely worth it. So, some context. I work in an outsourcing company. Before I joined the job, there were two people doing my job, and both left before I joined. I was alone doing the job of two people. Weekly reports were being sent to the client head, and the client would visit the job site once a year. So here goes. As a means of control and reporting, there's a general mailbox to where the client should send all requests that need to be addressed. I had to deal with 30 to 40 different people from the client side, plus the client head. Now, they didn't give a damn about my said mailbox. They would always email my inbox, ignoring the general one, always. Since I was alone doing the work of two people, I was almost always behind on the workload, and would get the idiots on the other side constantly complaining to the client head, who in turn would complain to my managers, saying how is it possible that OP can't deal with 7 or 8 daily emails and be behind on his work. The weekly report stated that I was only getting 7 to 8 emails from the client a day, completely ignoring the phone, personal inbox, and Skype chat, which were the ways people were contacting me every day. So the client head complains to the managers and escalates me for being a lazy idiot that can't even handle a handful of emails a day. So the managers set up a meeting to grill me, saying, OP, you always look so busy and you're only getting a handful of emails a day and you're constantly behind on your work. How is this possible? The client's not happy and you either improve dramatically or the client wants us to replace you. I explained that the general mailbox wasn't the only thing I did mentioning all other means through which client idiots were requesting things. So the solution to show the client head what was being done, I was told I needed to register on an Excel sheet everything. Everything I did during the day. I asked for clarification, saying, you mean emails and calls, right? And no, they expected everything. And email the Excel at the end of the workday. So here comes my malicious compliance. I did exactly what I was told, wrote down everything I did during the workday, even including the bathroom, smoke, and coffee breaks. If the client writes on Skype, I write down a timestamp when the client asks for something, and timestamps of each and every reply, all adding to an Excel at around 500 lines every day, with my personal favorite of adding a line at the end saying, time wasted to fill in sheet, one hour. One manager laughs when he sees my full compliance, and the other one, not so much, but he knows he can't do anything, as I did what I was told. A few months later, when the client had visits, he tells me he effin' loved it. I was told to stop doing it on the third day. They were now aware of what I did during the day. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, if you enjoyed the stories today, do hit that thumbs up. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, I'm going to link it right here. A Karen calls 911 when OP refuses to let her family trespass. It's such a funny story, so go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.